AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Farmers and ranchers are heading into the new year with a mixed bag of challenges and opportunities that need to be managed. But at least one measure says there is reason to be more than cautiously optimistic about the year ahead. We'll dig into the numbers and check in with this week's Farmer Forum. Live from Hump Day Base Camp 1 via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning we begin with our monthly conversation with Dr. Jim Mintert from Purdue University. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Chad Lehman and Mike Birdo, the Birdman. Right after the news, Margie Echelkamp from The Scoop. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis Michelson, my friend. How are you, buddy? Super great. Super great. Good, How are you? good, good. Well, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm, you know, I am looking at this storm that has just started to kind of move on to the West Coast. Well, it's been doing more than just moving on to the West Coast. But, boy, a lot of rain. And when you look at at the the formation of this storm that that is coming on, they've got a lot of a lot of storm that needs to move on uh on land before that thing is all done huge massive cyclone well i think they're calling it a bomb cyclone or something like that that is moving on to the west coast right now so heads up a lot a lot of ground that's been in a drought for a very long time that's going to be Mm -hmm. dumped on in a very short period of time Mm -hmm. that is vulnerable to some flooding and and mudslides and and stuff like that so well and you were talking yesterday it'd be nice if some of this moisture could hit the ground and you know at some point soak in so but in. uh as uh now you know look over at california when they say droughts are cured by flood um oh. that's that's getting a little out of hand this is bringing the cure in a big way is what it looks yeah. like is going to be happening yeah so or is happening yeah cure may be worse yeah. than the disease itself as they say <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. And then McCarthy is the cure. Worse dude, than dude. I, I just, I, I don't know how this is going to end. And you, you know, as I I'm trying to do my best to just be an observer of the whole dude, process. Yes. I'm trying really hard not, not to get cynical, you know, yeah. the, the word clown show just keeps bouncing around my brain <laughs> really this is how we're gonna start the 118th congress really right. you don't, guys take the house fire don't get me started <sighs> yeah i yeah. agree yeah president uh, former president trump has chimed in on it uh, oh he has, has exp- yeah has expressed some support <laughs> for mccarthy great um so yeah it's uh <laughs> we're gonna see how many clowns we can fit in this car <laughs> let's go to the news oh my gosh <laughs> Well, we've got a USDA daily export sale. Let's start there instead. Under 24,000 metric tons of soybeans to unknown destinations. That's for the 22-23 marketing year, Chip. Yeah, Uh, demand is always good. And the first one of the year uh, is here, and let's hope we string them together. Mm -hmm. 
Well, mortgage demand fell 13% last week from two weeks earlier. Applications to buy a home slipped 12%, while refinancing applications, which are more sensitive to rate changes, declined 16%. During the last two weeks of the year, rates for the 30-year mortgage rose to 6.58% from 6.34%. But we're still down. We're still sub-7, so that's something, right? Uh, it's not three and a half. Yeah, yeah. Market doesn't like it that well either. No, huh? Well, as you said, Representative Kevin McCarthy, his party's nominee, failed to secure the necessary votes through three ballots as hard right conservatives opposed his selection. After the third ballot results, the House voted by voice vote to adjourn until noon Eastern time today. The House cannot start regular business until a speaker is elected. Some 19 Republicans voted against McCarthy on the first two ballots. And the opposition grew to 20 yeah. in the third count, moving in the wrong direction on that third count, Chip. Exactly. Yeah, back in, I think it was 1856, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took like 130 ballots and, and two months Oof. To, to elect a speaker. Uh, no. I hope, we don't get, I, don't, I hope we don't see a repeat of that. Chip, I'm going to be asking for some time off in that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the first of seven satellites for agriculture launched into space Tuesday by SpaceX. Built by Dragonfly Aerospace, the satellite is part of the Transporter 6 mission for customer EOS data analytics. Images obtained will deliver information for harvest monitoring, application mapping, seasonal planning, and assessments that analyze information such as soil moisture, yield prediction, and biomass levels. The data will support growers with reducing carbon dioxide emissions and help them to develop sustainable agricultural methods. The National Corn Growers Association Tuesday expressed disappointment regarding the final WOTUS rule under the Clean Water Act. uh, NCGA says the rule was released as the U.S. Supreme Court prepares to decide second v. EPA. NCGA President Tom Hagg says, quote, the court's ruling could negate major elements of this WOTUS rule and create even more uncertainty for farmers. Meanwhile, National Milk Producers Federation President and CEO Jim Mulhern called the new waters of the U.S. rule, quote, cumbersome, unclear, and overly complicated. For the first time in two months, the nation's average gasoline price increased, rising 12.3 cents from a week ago to 3.17 per gallon. On Monday, Chinese leader Xi Jinping congratulated the new president of Brazil as he was sworn in. Xi dispatched Vice President Wang Kishan to attend the inauguration yeah. ceremony and hand over his congratulatory note to Lula right. directly. Yep, got to keep those relations tight there. All right, thank you, Davis. Hey, you bet. let's go to Margie Acklecamp with another prediction she sees developing in 2023. And thanks, Chip. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here for the first time in 2023. And I know last week we kind of left folks hanging with my, my fourth prediction for the year ahead and Maybe it's the more controversial one, if you will, but it's based on a couple of things that have been coming across my desk as well as interviews and conversations I've had with folks from across the industry. And that'll be, this is my prediction. I'll get to it. That'll be that I think we're really going to stop talking about data as data. And I think that the conversation is going to be elevated because it has to be to talk about the analytics, the decisions, the what we can derive from the data rather than just 
farm data sake. And I'm going to share two examples. And, and quickly, one would be a conversation I had with somebody who is super smart in the carbon space. And I was asking them about what's really holding us back. And he shared, he goes, Margie, do you know the most common missing piece of information for a farmer when it comes to being able to apply for a carbon credit? And he shared with me, it's the tillage pass. And maybe we're using, you know, older four-wheel drive tractors that don't have sophisticated technology on them and aren't gathering the, the field data at that time of the tillage pass or not tillage pass, which is needed for these carbon programs. The second example I am going to share is the one-on-one -on -one conversation I had with Brian Lutz from Corteva AgriScience, where he shared Corteva's new direction when it comes to digital and their goal of connecting everything from the R&D pipeline to the insights that can be gathered from the farmer's field and how those two things can help elevate the technology moving forward. So that's my prediction, Chip, and a lot more that I look forward to discussing here on AgriTalk in the year ahead. Excellent, Margie. Thank you so much. Yeah, data is just numbers unless it actually means something and you can put it to work. And uh, that needs to happen more in the year ahead. All right. Jim Mintert, Ag Economist, Purdue University, up next with the Ag Economy Barometer right here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Jeff. Glad that you're with us here on AgriTalk. Davis Michelson is in for the conversation as well. Yeah, buddy. And joining us now, Jim Minter, Ag Economist there at Purdue University and the director for the Center of Commercial Ag at Purdue uh, joins us right now. Jim, welcome back. Good to talk with you again. Happy New Year. Thanks, Chip, and Happy New Year to you and all your listeners as well. All right. Yeah, we had a conversation last week. You've got a big, uh, uh, well, the top farmer conference is coming up on Friday, right? Is is there still uh, time to get signed up for that? There is opportunities to still sign up, especially for the uh, virtual option, because you can come in person here in West Lafayette. Yeah. Uh, just a few miles from the uh, West Lafayette Purdue campus. And uh, we also have an option for uh, Zoom. So if you are a little too far away or it's too inconvenient to come to West Lafayette, you can catch the conference by way of Zoom. And the easiest way to find us is in your favorite search engine. Just search for Purdue Center for Commercial Ag, and it'll be right there on the front page. Yes, it is. I'm looking at it right now, as a matter of fact. So, okay, uh, December, the 
Ag Economy Barometer, which, of course, Purdue does with the CME Group, uh, you, you know, it, it, was, it was a big move. It, but it's not un, all that unusual to see some choppiness in the overall index, is there? No, the, the index can be somewhat choppy, although it was a pretty good move. And, yeah. you know, I guess there's two ways of looking at it. One, it was a big up move uh, after pretty much of a down year. And then the second thing is, you know, relative to where we were a little over a year ago, we're still well below that. So people are not yeah. overly optimistic, um, but they a little bit of a bounce there. And, you know, I don't know about you, Chip, but this time of year, I think people, you know, starting in early November, yeah. maybe mid-November going forward, what do you do? You start thinking about where you're at from an income standpoint, you yep. visit with your CPA, start doing some tax planning. And I think a lot of people were doing that between the time we did our November survey and the time we did our December survey. And what they realized was 2022 was a much better year than they thought. Yep. And so I think that really probably accounts for a, a good bit, maybe all of the increase that we saw, just the recognition that despite all the negativity with respect to cost, yeah, the year turned out okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I think there's, you know, it, it, it was a realization survey. Yeah. You know what? Things weren't quite as bad as what I thought they were. You know, things are feeling pretty good. I feel all right as we get into the year ahead. One thing that, that I, I you know, did take note of, though, is we were right on the edge, knocking on the door of dipping under 100 on that index, and boom, a big pop-up from it. The timing, the timing of, of the move uh, as it relates to 100 on the index, I think uh, – is noteworthy as well. Well, yeah, I think if you think about it from a longer term standpoint, it says people are more optimistic than they were during the time when we computed the base for the index, which was that twenty fifth, late 2015, early 2016 yep. timeframe. And boy, if you look at net farm income for 2022 and compare it to that 2015, 2016 era, <laughs> we are way better off. And, yeah. and I think, you know, there's kind of an understatement here for a lot of folks from a lot of crop farmers 2022 is the best year that they've probably had in a long, long time when they sit down and do the analysis. Right. Jim, when we, that, when we talk about them sort of looking backward on 2022, um, I'm, I'm going straight to the farmland values expectations index, both the short term and long term, uh, softer on the month. Um, is, is that, can we take that as an indication of perceptions of future financial conditions that those values are, are expected to be lower? Well, I think first of all, let's let's talk about the index itself and what mm -hmm. what it really means. I think there's a little bit of confusion sometimes. If that index for short-term farmland or long-term is above 100, that's still an optimistic viewpoint. Yeah, okay. But what's taken place with the, both of those indices over the last roughly 12 months is people are less optimistic in for example December of 2022 than they were in December of 2021. But they're still relatively optimistic. But when you start looking at the raw responses, that's where I think the story that you're trying to get at is starting to show up a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you look at the raw responses to that question, which was to ask people, what do you think is going to happen to farmland values over the next 12 months? In the case of the long-term index, the next five years, the percentage of people that think farmland prices could go down over the next, say, 12 months has been increasing. It's still small. I want to emphasize that it's still a small number. But if you look at the change, a year ago, only 6% of the people in the survey said they thought farmland values could decline over the next 12 months. 
This month that shifted, it was up to 15%. Yeah. And if you look at the chart, it's been trend that percentage has been trending up over the course of 2022. And at the same time, the percentage of people expecting higher farmland values has been coming right. down. So overall, there's still optimism out there, but less optimism than a year ago. And if I had to guess, Davis, looking ahead 12 more months, mm -hmm. I think we'll see even more negativity show up over the next 12 months. Yeah. You know, and I think the, the the question about how many of you expect values uh, to rise, that's a significant move to me because it was at 59%. It's now at 39%. So it was more than half. Now it's less than half. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of those obviously shifted into the no change category, which we have yeah. kind of omit from that chart. But and, and that kind of gets at this idea. It's still a, an optimistic index uh, reading, but just less optimistic than it was a year ago. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. We're sitting here at record high prices. Yeah. And I think people are asking themselves, how much longer can this go on? Uh, you know, based on recent auction results, uh, maybe a little while longer, but not forever. Right. Right. Another area where I, I think there's some cautiousness being expressed is in that farm capital investment index. Yes, it was higher up and all the way up to 40 <laughs> on on uh, making some of those investments. Uh, what's your take there? Well, the farm capital investment index, I think, is, is a little bit concerning in terms of what it really captures. I think what people are telling us is this is not a good time to make uh, large investments because you can't get a good deal. Um, that's not the same thing as saying, I won't step out and buy a tractor or a combine. And that's become increasingly clear as we look at both the sales data coming out of, for example, the uh, Equipment Manufacturers Association, as well as other data uh, around with respect to, for example, machine repeats data on, on farm auction sales. So when you look at it from that standpoint, people are still willing to make investments. They just don't think they can get a good deal. I think the the point that maybe you're trying to get at, Chip, is maybe better captured by our question about farm financial performance, okay. because that index rose this month uh, up to 109, up from uh, 91 last month. So people, again, feeling better about the farm's financial situation here at the end of 22 uh, than they had previously when they sat down and did the accounting and looked at their records. Yeah. We yeah. asked that same question and said, what do you think is going to happen in 23 versus 22? And when we asked that question, that's where it showed up. Uh, that index computed on a one-month basis was 18 points lower than the one where we asked about 2022 versus 2021. So I think that tells you, looking ahead, people are concerned about a cost price squeeze. They're concerned about the fact that input prices have not come yep. down. In fact, you know, our estimates, and probably consistent with yours as well, Chip, it's going to cost more to put an acre of corn in, in the ground this spring than it did last year. Well, and people worry about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think looking ahead, people are concerned about where their farm's going to be in 2023 versus 2022. But there was this recognition that 2022 was a doggone good year. Yeah. Yeah. And the 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 components behind that performance index rating, um, the, the the big concerns are like you just said, the, the increase in, in input costs followed by interest rates, which are higher interest rates which continues to grow in importance in, in the survey respondent's mind, doesn't it? Yeah, when you look at the, we only asked that question the first time back in July. And, and you look yeah. at the responses in July and August, and it ranged between, I think, 14 and 17%, choosing that as, their, as one of their top concerns. 
these last, uh, what, four months or so, I think we've been in that 22, 23%. If we had to guess going forward into 23, my my expectation is the percentage of people choosing rising interest rates as a top yeah. concern is, is going to increase over time. Um, yeah. I think people are going to be shocked by the end of 2023 when they see what these operating interest rates turn out to be. We could be looking at operating interest rates between 9 and 10%. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Real quickly, it concerns me that only 13% of the respondents put lower crop and livestock prices, the potential for that, uh, at the as their number one response, because just simply because of where we're at on prices. I mean, um, it, it's not that it's not a concern for everybody. It's just not their number one concern, right? Yeah. And, you know, I think uh, kind of as a longtime commodity analyst, uh, Chip, you kind of focus in on that a little bit more yeah, maybe baby. Than it, with respect to the risk that's out there. And the risk is, you know, there's a lot of negativity out there potentially, right? Uh, right. Recently, we've been worried about dry weather in Argentina, but boy, we could be looking at a very big crop coming out of Brazil. We could be looking at some pretty weak demand coming out of Asia, particularly China. Um, and who knows what's going to happen with respect to the Black Sea region. So right. there's some definite risk out there, and maybe not everybody's as worried about that as they should be. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff, Jim. It is always fun to have these conversations with you, get a little, little insight into what uh, producers are thinking. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you again uh, next month. All right. Thanks, Chip and Davis. See you later. All right. Jim Mintert, Purdue University, Director of the Center for Commercial Ag. Farmer Forum next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. Beach. I look at what's going on in this wheat market and the corn market against what is happening in the soy complex, and it's not really grains against oil seeds. It's grains against the the oil seed market doesn't want to make a commitment, does it? Yeah, um, just kind of give up trade here in, in both yeah. wheat and corn, it appears, this morning. Uh, the bulls have, have just decided to, to get out of uh, any length that they had. And, and uh, you know, we're seeing the winter wheat markets lead us down, but uh, spring wheat and, and corn futures also posting uh, sharp double-digit losses here. So uh, that selling pressure has spilled over into uh, the soy complex, and, and soybeans are now favoring the downside a little bit, as is uh, the meal market and, and soy oils kind of mixed. But, you know, you look at the just the broader picture, and, and there's risk aversion today. It's not as broad-based as what it was yesterday, but, boy, the crude oil market's just taken a pounding and, and down more than $3.60 at the moment. All right. Uh, let's go over to the livestock trade on this, and it seems like 
the pressure on corn prices the past couple of days has finally triggered the buying in the feeder cattle. Absolutely. Uh, strong gains in feeder cattle because of those sharp losses in the corn market, like you mentioned. And, and uh, so that market is uh, finally paying attention there. Uh, live cattle futures probably got beat up too much yesterday and, and uh, bouncing back. Uh, they were higher before the feeder cattle market uh, started to sprint to the upside. So I, I think the Im- impact from feeders is limited there. It's, it's more the outlook for stronger cash cattle prices. Uh, again this week and then the hog market uh, follow through selling uh, it's, it's yeah. not real active but uh, still trading to the downside this morning after yesterday's sharp losses and low range close all right thank you brian that's pro farmer editor brian grady on markets now opinions expressed on agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of farm journal broadcasting affiliate stations or sponsors when news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on AgriTalk with Chip Flory. All right, welcome to the Farmer Forum here on AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Uh, Davis is going to be with us here. Keep them straight, Ooh. Davis. Keep them, uh, keep them between the ditches if we can here as we, as we make our way through this conversation with Chad Lehman from Illinois. Chad, welcome. Happy New Year. Hey, good morning, Chip. Happy New Year. Thanks for inviting me on today. Yep, love it that you're here. Birdo, Mike Birdo from Iowa. Welcome, buddy. Happy New Year. Same to you, Chip. Same to you. All right. Um, okay, so from the conversation that we had with uh, with Jim Minterd from Purdue University, talking about the, the challenges, the concerns that, that growers have got for 2023 the next 12 months basically it 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 doesn't just come down to these higher input costs higher interest rates and lower crop or livestock prices but chad you and and berto both livestock producers i i love how you what what you would start your list of concerns or challenges with for the year ahead talk about it well, I mean, labor, I, I don't I don't mean to sound like a broken record because I think every industry probably has this at the top of their list, but labor is is such a challenge. It's always been so tough for us to find uh, people that are willing to work in hog barns and take care of pigs. Mm-hmm. But now it's just it's 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 harder than ever and you kind of ask yourself where, where have all the young guys gone that we used to hire yeah. that were raised on, you know, farms or in rural areas, where, where have they gone and why can't we, uh, we hire them, but they're just, they're just not to be found. And so we start going to, to other avenues to try to find labor to take care of pigs. Yeah. You know, my family's got some experience in this. Uh, my son, Thomas, when he got, when he came out of college, community college, first thing he did was he got a job at a hog farm and spent a, a full year doing it to to get that reaction, but or to get that experience. But Chad, he spent a whole year doing it. Uh, after right. that, after that, and uh, putting some consistency, showing up for a job on a regular basis on his resume, it was pretty easy for him to go out and find something that did not involve working in that hog barn. And it's it's a challenge that I know all of you are trying to overcome, isn't it, Birdo? Yes, yes. Um, I agree with, 
what Chad just said and what you just said, Chip. Um, you know, your, your son is very reliable and dependable, and those are the qualities that everybody seeks. And yep. he can go to a, you know, semi-corporate job or, you know, be in a management position and charge other people pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I don't know how to, I mean, the, the, obvi- the, the answer seems obvious, Chad, pay them more, pay them more, but you, <laughs> you can't right. just do that either. Can you? Yes, that's the truth. I, I mean, obviously with inflation, you don't have a choice. You do have to pay more and you, and you got to figure out how to make up for it on the margin side. But I mean, that old, what did our dads and grandpas always used to say? These are character building jobs, right? Yep. And I mean, there's no question that, that working with hogs is a character building job. I, I just, um, I don't understand. Um, I, I mean, what I find is that there's a lot of parents who think this would be a great job for their kids, but their kids don't necessarily agree. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that is exactly right. And, um, it, it is a challenge. Berto, what, how much, how much labor do you have to have on your farmer? Is it mostly family members? It, I farm with my brother, older brother, Dan and his wife. And we have another gentleman that, uh, he's in his late twenties that pretty much runs the feed mill every day. Okay. Um, but that, it's just us. I mean, okay. And you know, my brother, several kids, they, they're coming of age. They help out, but, um, good dependable labor is hard to find as chad said and i i'll stick this i'll stick by this statement farming is not hard work for our generation i think i mean we're so automated anymore that i mean the days of bailing hay straw you know are over the you know shelter Mm -hmm. uh, ear picking ear corn all that stuff is gone by the wayside and we don't do that stuff anymore, but you do have to show up every day. Yes. It's a hands-on. Yes. And it is becoming, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how to put it, but it, I don't think it's hard work anymore. Yeah, I, I've been I home hear from you. college for 20-plus years, and it's getting less and less hands-on every day, but you've got to be here to manage the farm yep not labor anymore it's management that's that's an interesting observation chad your take on that yeah i just i mean that that is exactly the truth i've been saying it too is this this is not hard manual labor anymore it's very it's very automated it requires it requires a brain more than it requires muscles and and it's almost become easier to find females that are willing to show up every day and work hard than it is to find males. That's, that sounds bad for our gender, guys, but I'm telling you, it's almost easier to find really committed females to come and work every day. And it's and they're more than capable of doing it. And, and in many instances, they'll take care of pigs better than we can. Wow. It's the buttering ability. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think, Chad, I, I don't want to speak for Berto on this, but when you said that it takes more brains than it does muscle to do the job, I think you might have scared Berto there for a second. 
<laughs> oh, that's fact. That's fact. I, I like to, I like to stay in the back row. <laughs> oh shoot! So the the you know we're not going to solve it here in a in a five minute conversation, but it is something that obviously we need to to keep track of now. Talk to me about input costs. It got 45% of the number one response. And what's got uh, producers concerned for 2023 in the Ag Barometer survey, uh, that's got to be right up your list of concerns as well, isn't it, Chad? Yeah, no doubt about it. When I start looking at what our feed costs are and and what they're probably going to be for the foreseeable future, there's no question that we've sort of reached a new a new level, and we already talked about our labor costs. Just due to inflation, the labor yeah. costs are getting set at a higher level for sure. And so, uh, and then you look at fuel costs and, and utility costs. There's, there's no question that um, fourth quarter production right now and, and early first fourth quarter of 22, first quarter of 23 hog production is is showing red ink for sure. Well, and Berto, those input costs that Chad just laid out, it takes a healthy bite out of 108 to $110 summer hog market too, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the, the fuel price a year ago, I mean, really bit us in the rear. I mean, everything we do revolves around energy, you know, from chucking the hogs to chucking the feed to heating the barn, you know. And it's going to be hard to make that up. I mean, granted energy prices have come down a little bit at the pump but that that really took a bite out of everything whether it mean you're a grain farmer cattle farmer hog farmer that that was ugly that was ugly. yeah yeah you know you that's a that's a a, a really interesting part because or point mike because when you talk to a row crop producer they'll say yeah you know energy costs we we pretty much have a a good idea of what our energy costs are going to be year to year yes we have to pencil in some kind of an increase but yours is a weather market when it comes to how much energy you're going to be using during the winter months isn't it oh yeah oh yeah especially week and a half ago there when it was uh, 40 below and 40 mile an hour wind out of the northwest yeah it's uh i think we sucked a couple tanks in actually (laughs) (laughs) yeah use it so fast i you know i i guess i realize that chad but it is much more of a variable input than it would be for row crop yeah no doubt about it i i think that uh i mean obviously when you're you got to also think as part of this is where is if you're raising pigs you're more than likely drying corn it on the farm too and you've got and you've got storage corn storage there too so you start thinking about you know in our in our area lpo in this fall was was what dollar 40 or so a gallon and and uh that's twice as high as it was in 21 so you add that to the cost of it no no doubt about it. these energy costs are affecting hog producers yep yep and you got to maintain a a stable environment for those hogs because the the disease management has just become a full-time job itself hasn't it chad i almost uh yeah i almost cringe when you bring it up i feel like uh like i, I sent a note to you i mean it it seemed like we yeah. always used to market 96 percent of our pigs as full value pigs in other words they're going to the tysons and the smithfields not to the to the off markets and and now man we call it a win at 
92 or 93 percent and it seems like these pigs are just so lean anymore and so sensitive to everything that that they're just not as hardy as they used to be yeah you see that too mike yes yes uh not so much on the flu side um especially well i should take that back we always have some flu around that september october area when the weather changes but we've been battling quite a bit of e coli here lately um, and just can't get ahead of it. We've tried everything, changing disinfectants, water mad, feed mad, um, yeah. but just can't yep. keep ahead of it. So, uh, yep. It's so. a battle. There's no question about it. We're going to talk a little bit more about that when we come back. We've got a farmer forum going with Chad Lehman from Illinois, Mike Berto from Iowa. we got to talk about opportunities, too, next on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. I don't know what you're thinking. So call us at 855-4-TALK-AG and tell us what's on your mind. Welcome back to AgriTalk in the Farmer Forum. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us this morning. We've got Chad Lehman from Illinois. We've got Mike Berto from Iowa, our, our guest today. We're talking a lot about uh, what it, uh, some of the issues of affecting hog producers, but Berto feeds cattle as well. Did some of these issues, uh, do they cross from the hogs over to the cattle, or how's the cattle business treating you right now? Well, cattle business, I think, is optimistic. I'm, I built a new cattle barn here, so I'm going to fill it full of cattle here sometime soon. But, um, you know, $7 corn is going to be expensive to feed, but uh, I'm optimistic that there's some money to be made. Um, interest. Has got me really worried for operating note. Um, you can get interest locked in, do it. Um, yep. I don't know. These operating notes are going to be kind of open ended, I think, and it's it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. I think you're going to have to watch your P's and Q's. On well, it, it, if for no other reason, Mike, um, it's because. The interest on the on the operating loans for the last decade or more has been very manageable. All of a sudden, it becomes a real co- a, a real cost. Uh, in, yeah, it's in, like a deer. In the- <laughs> yeah, it's like what? Yeah. Say it again. Uh, it's like a deer in the headlights. Look, I had a went to see my banker here the other day, and he said, uh, "Hey, you know your operating notes can be like pushing seven, maybe eight percent." I'm like, "Oh my lord." Yeah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've yep. been foiled. 
I mean, it's time to face the music, I guess. So yeah, yeah. So Chad, we've got a little bit. We've we've got confirmed expansion in the feed yard industry in Iowa from Mike Birdo right there. Uh, but <laughs> we're not we're not seeing much expansion in the hog industry at all, are we? No, we really aren't. I mean, you talk about interest rates, and and there's certainly a challenge. I, it seems like for years I'd joke with my banker. I'd be like, well, at what point are you going to start paying me to borrow money from you? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, now we're, we're certainly seeing the other side of that. But I guess if we want to look at the silver lining, it's that it's in the hog business. It's, it's certainly curved expansion. Typically, hog producers see profit, and we just expand our way out of it within a year or two. And there is just almost little to no hog barn construction going on right now you know due to the due to construction costs as well as interest rates so i think that that bears well for us for the for the next couple of years hopefully yep yep birdo isn't washington county the biggest hog producing county in iowa if not the nation yes yeah yeah uh, that's we are you seeing any expansion big, yes uh large hog producer integrator right north of me um built a huge sow farm i don't know how many thousands of sows he added but uh yeah washington county's always optimistic on pork production um we've got a good corn corn basis um good good location for all the manure um it's everybody's always been optimistic around here whether no, no matter what happens it seems like yeah yeah, and yeah, I hear you. Packing plant right back door too, don't you, Mike? Yes, sir. Yes, yes. Um, we try to do everything we can in this county, and so far it keeps on working. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, we you mentioned silver lining before, and you put it in your notes, Chad. It's nice to have that hog manure with fertilizer prices doing what they're doing. Yeah, the old black gold, you know, it's, it's, it's always a, it's always a job to get it all spread. And, and it's always after harvest when everybody's, when everybody's wearing down and tired of, of the hours. But, but when you look at your your commercial fertilizer bill versus your, your hog manure, you you think, well, I'm kind of glad I got some of this around. Yeah. Yeah. Birdo, it's not quite like, uh, oh, call it 2007, 2008 where the pork chop was the byproduct coming out of the hog buildings. Uh, That's right. But, but, yeah, but, uh, I mean, it's it's something that that helps on that balance sheet, isn't it? It does. It does. But I think we got all our manure spread in a timely fashion, but it comes back down to that fuel price. I mean, our custom applicator had to increase his rate to pay for his fuel, and I – was a little cheaper spreading hog manure but not not as much as i had some commercial spread so i mean Jeez. either way we needed it but it that fuel price once again it came to bite me so yep i don't yep. know gotcha gotcha chad we don't have a whole lot of time left here but i want to get to you on this one uh what do you hope for in 2023 well we you know we always hope for sort of opportunity to uh, to hedge good prices and we always hope for good weather and so forth. But I mean, we got a lot to be thankful for. I, you know, you think about the farm bill and some of the funding there and 
I'm just really grateful that we've got uh, livestock revenue uh, protection program now. So essentially, we've got that, the opportunity to to have like a crop insurance for the pig business. Mm-hmm. That's been a that's been a big boost to the to not only us but a, a lot of other pork producers. So that's been a really nice thing to have come along, you know, Chip. Yeah, yep, Birdo. I I, I would imagine that your feeling toward that is about the same, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so just keep those relationships open with your banker. Um, yep. he's a, whether you want to hear his opinion or not, it's always, I think it's always valuable. Um, you know, I think there'll be opportunities to be make some money here in 2023. And uh, I don't know, hope for the best, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's all good, fellas. It's all good. Well, thanks for doing what you guys do. I know that uh, some people don't like hearing it and think that, hey, it's my job. What else am I going to do? But um, the livestock producers at this time of the year, I I mean, I grew up on a livestock farm. I know what you guys are out there doing. So keep it up, and we will talk with you again real soon. Chad, thanks, buddy. Thanks a lot, Chip, for having me on. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Chad. Birdo, thanks, man. We'll talk with you again soon. Sounds good, bud. We'll do. All right, Chad Lehman, Illinois, Mike Burdo in Iowa. Thank you so much for listening to this morning's AgriTalk. Glad that you could be with us. Come back this afternoon. We're going to have a conversation with Andy Schisler from S&W Trading right here on AgriTalk. Yeah.